Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. So this is kind of a special standalone episode. I'm not going to talk um, particularly about politics, um, although it'll weave in a bunch. Uh, I'm going to take the politicalcompass.org test. And what it does is shows you where on the political spectrum you are. Uh, how authoritarian versus libertarian and how left versus right you are. And I think that this is like a really good exercise for people to do just to see where they're at. I don't care about, about what your results are. I have friends on all parts of the political spectrum. Um, and you should know by now I don't care. But it's great to look at yourself and to see where you're really at because – a lot of people are so strongly identified with one team that they don't even really know what their core beliefs are anymore. They don't know how to get down to that stuff and what it means in political issues. And so they just end up identifying with one side or the other and then taking this test to confirm those things. Like if they, if they don't know about an issue, they don't care about an issue, they'll try to judge which one is the furthest right or furthest left depending on you know, where you want to look like you are, right? So I'm going to take this test and I think you guys should take it with me um, and maybe just pause while you do the test. And I'm going to talk about uh, what my thought process is when I answer each one of those questions. And I'll try to be balanced as much as I can on one side or the other. And then um, I think you should pause right there. And then I'll tell you, uh, what I would do. Okay. So politicalcompass.org, And then it's easy. You don't have to like sign up or log in or register or any of that bullshit. You just click, take the test. And so it says 
please note this isn't a survey and these aren't questions. They're propositions. To question the logic of individual ones that irritate you is to miss the point. Some positions are extreme, some are moderate. That's how we can show you whether you lead towards extremism or moderation on the compass. Your responses should not be overthought. Some of them are intentionally vague. Their purpose is to trigger reactions in the mind, measuring feelings and prejudices rather than detailed opinions on policy. So just a few propositions to start with concerning no less how you see the country in the world. Okay, here we go. First question. If economic globalization is inevitable, it should primarily serve humanity rather than the interests of transnational corporations. So people on the left and people who are Democrats would immediately say, yes, of course, it should serve humanity. And. People on the right, at least anyone libertarian, would say uh, something more toward the middle, right? I mean, obviously, the point of everything is to serve humanity. But you can't always only serve humanity, all right? And then you can't always do that without inhibiting other people's freedoms. So the, the point is that everything is a is a scale and a threshold, and it just matters where your particular threshold is or where you sit on the scale. I'm just trying to describe the two ends of it. Um, yeah, I mean, transnational corporations, again, this is one of those questions that makes you feel strange because you're like, this doesn't totally make sense. So, I mean, obviously, everyone's going to agree, I would imagine. <laughs> Maybe some of you guys think corporations are the greatest good for society. And that they are themselves serving humanity and whatever is good for corporations could be good for humanity. Uh, that seems like a kind of unreasonable, re, unreasonable proposition to me. So, I mean, I'm going to click agree because I have doubts about the extent of the question. I don't think it makes a ton of sense to put those two in trade off. Um, but I can think of ways that I wouldn't want to say strongly agree. Right. Because I believe there are counter arguments. Um, I'd always support my country, whether it was right or wrong. OK, so this is another one. You can make a snap decision. Right. Um, a lot of people on the left would be like, no way. I care so much about. Sorry, I'm making fun of it. I care so much about my um, self image that uh, I would say that the country is something I can't support if it goes against my beliefs. And if you are a strong nationalist, you would be like, yes, of course I'd support my country, whether it was right or wrong. In the middle, you could support your country m most of the time or all of the time, unless they did something egregious, right? And so people even have different places on the scale for that. Um, like, we don't have to get into particular issues, but there are things that I'm sure people no longer supported the country for in America's past. And like when we dropped an atom bomb on Japan, I'm sure that some people thought that was egregious and disgusting and they never supported the country again. Fine. Totally understand that. Right. So um, I would never support anything if I thought it was wrong. But you weigh that against what you care about the society, right? And I care a great deal about the society. 
So I would rather continue supporting that society in instances where it did things that were wrong but not egregious than to say that I will not support the country if I think it does something wrong. Okay? So for me, I would say, again, agree. Okay, third one. No one chooses his or her country of birth, so it's foolish to be proud of it. And on one end of the spectrum, you think being proud of where you, you're born is crazy. That, that could even be racist, right? <clears throat> and then on the other side, you think, of course, I'm proud of my country. I'm proud of my home. I'm proud of my hometown, I'm proud of where I grew up. I'm proud of the things that I do for my country, the things my country does for me to allow me to have a nice life. Okay. And, uh, I don't know if there's a middle position really with that. I think it's, I think it's equally foolish to be extremely prideful as it is to not have pride in things. You know, nobody thinks it's strange when there's gay pride or black pride. Um, I know nationalism has a bad history, obviously, uh, but not in every case. And this isn't even really nationalism. This is more patriotism. And you can be proud of the society that you are part of and the society you are helping in some way to build and the society that has been built around you. And I think this is a lot easier to see when people focus on something like your hometown, like where you grew up, your high school. Like we do have pride in certain things or we have terrible memories of them, but so you know what I'm saying? I'm going to answer the question, and I will choose agree because I think it's more silly than not to have pride in things that you didn't do. Um, okay, so fourth question. Our race has many superior qualities compared with other races. Uh well, on one side, you're racist, and on the other side, you're not racist. So I'm going to say strongly disagree, and I don't think we need a lot of discussion about that. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I guess that that probably lies somewhere on the spectrum of how much you care about fairness. Because if the enemy of your enemy is your friend, then you don't really have principles at all. You're not operating on a moral basis. You're operating on a utilitarian basis. You can use that enemy for something. So you are going to make that enemy your friend. Uh, I don't think that's a very principled moral stand to take. Um, the enemy of my enemy is also my enemy and I am going to say strongly disagree military action that defies international law is sometimes justified. Well, okay. So a lot of people have the instant feeling of positivity or negativity toward the military. And Part of that is that they blame the decisions of politicians on when to use the military on the military and the military 
are a bunch of really brave people who sacrifice parts of their lives to keep the world free. And that's not just American freedom. The rest of freedom around the world doesn't just exist there by magic. Okay. The U S military and other militaries guard trade routes. They make sure that countries aren't abusing other countries, you know, and if our military has overstepped in the past, that is almost always a circumstance where the politicians are the ones who've made the mistakes, not the military. Um, military action that defies international law is sometimes justified. So the next part of that is that international law is not necessarily what's best for you. And it is generally good not to defy the law. If that law is formulated in a way that biases the system toward or against you, this is a simple question of justice that is extraordinarily relevant right now, then there may come a circumstance where you're not serving justice by following the law. All right. Um, but again, this is how we live in societies. So those circumstances should be absolutely extreme. And now we're talking this on an, I'm talking about this mostly on a national level at a personal level. It's true too, though. You know, it's like if somebody's sense of justice is being wronged by the law, then I don't expect them to always follow that law. And I would hope that they would choose not to if it's an important law in only extreme circumstances. But like that's what it means to have principles as an individual, you know, but a, a principle worth having is follow the law. So this would be for me military action that defies international law is sometimes justified. I'm going to say agree, but I just because I can imagine situations, but I could also just as easily click disagree. I don't think that I strongly disagree and I definitely don't strongly agree. Okay. Next question. There is now a worrying fusion of information and entertainment. I think that this is probably going to be a strongly agree for most people. Uh, I hesitate to say strongly agree because, because I have my own ideas about what the future of entertainment and information is. And part of that is that I believe we are experiencing a decentralization of these things and that this fusion of information and entertainment won't matter in the future, but it certainly matters a great deal right now. Okay, so this is this one for me is going to be just an agree because I'm not that worried about it because I predict a better future for that stuff. So that's where I'm at. Next page. People are ultimately divided more by class than by nationality. So thought process is. Is the place where people come from more of a dividing line than the amount of money they have. And there are certainly countries that are 
so much different than ours in terms of culture and law and just lifestyle, okay? So there's a difference between here and Sweden. There's a difference between here in China, here in India, here in Iraq, here in Somalia, here in South Africa, here in Brazil. You know what I mean? Totally different lives all over the place. We tend to think of the lives that are similar to ours, like Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, right? And then some of the other Western countries have lifestyles like ours, but don't speak our language. So that's, you know, one more barrier right there. But those lifestyles don't seem to clash when we're talking about the ones, the English speaking uh, countries and the Western European style democracies. They do clash when you end up in Afghanistan or Saudi Arabia or Syria or China or Russia or the wrong place in Central America where drug cartels are operating. So there are nationalities that you could think of in a much more oppositional way. All right. Um, Class is often, I think, the same everywhere. Um, the way it operates, I mean, and I think that the lifestyles of the most wealthy are probably similar around the world. The lifestyles of middle-class people are probably similar around the world to some degree. And then, you know, the status of the poor around the world is probably similar as well to some extent. I mean, the United States has way less poverty than everybody thinks when you consider what the standard of poverty is, okay? So in the United States, in the current political conversation, poverty is anyone who doesn't have health care, all right? But that's not what poverty is in other nations. And here, this, this is from ConcernUSA.org, okay? Uh, the poorest country in the world is Niger. A combination of a GNI per capita, gross national income per capita, of $906, life expectancy of 60.4 years, and a mean two years of schooling against an expected 5.4. Lead Niger topping the UN's Human Development Report as the world's poorest country. World Bank data from 2014 estimates 44.5% of the country's population of 21.5 million living in extreme poverty. Now, there are plenty of issues with all that. That is not the point I'm trying to make. It's just that there is also a scenario where classes are highly divided based on the country they're from. So the poor people here look like gods to poor people in Niger. Okay, and just another measure of how good we actually have it here to be in the top 10% worldwide, you need a net worth of $93,170, top 10% worldwide. Okay, now that's a good chunk of money, but that puts you in the top 10% worldwide. 
if you have $4,210 to your name, you're still richer than half the world's residents. All right. That's a, that's the top half $4,210. Okay. So to the question, are we divided more by class or nationality? And I'm going to say, I think we're divided more by nationality. So that means I disagree. Maybe I even strongly disagree. I disagree. Uh, Controlling inflation is more important than controlling unemployment. Uh, They are both very important. I am not an economic scholar. If you want to know more about this, then by all means refer to economic scholars. My general understanding is that is that inflation is the rising cost of goods caused by uh, like the price of inputs or a surge in demand or whatever, right? So if the price of goods, the stuff you need to buy is going up, then that means whatever money you have in your bank account buys less and less. And so that's why you want to control inflation so that the money you have doesn't just disappear. And some countries spiral out of control uh, with rising inflation. And they're usually pretty much always socialist. And their money becomes worth nothing. So it's impossible for them to get the things they need, right? Okay, so and the other side of this here question is whether or not it's more important to control inflation than to control unemployment. And so there are a bunch of things you can do to try to raise employment. A lot of those things involve a lot of government spending on the liberal side or on the conservative side. It means making it the most possible to create the most jobs. And then you have to start thinking about, okay, well, what conditions create jobs? What sorts of industries do we want to focus on? Although I don't even like that question, Um, but it does. It is part of the conversation for sure. Um, And so there are ways to take down regulations, lower business taxes so that they'll potentially hire more people. But again, also a factor of demand. You know, if people aren't demanding the stuff, you don't need to hire anybody because no one's buying your product in the first place. But those are sometimes in balance. Either one of them going to an extreme is awful for everybody. But I am going to say that inflation is more important. And I will click uh, agree. Okay, next question. Because corporations cannot be trusted to voluntarily protect the environment, they require regulation. Uh, Everyone on the left will immediately say, yes, of course. People on the right will say, well, what kind of regulation are we talking about here? You know, Um, and what is considered protecting the environment? All right, because there are people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who have much different ideas about what protecting the environment means than some very, very rational, knowledgeable people, all right? And even if we say that it's as big a problem as she believes it to be, 
it doesn't mean that there aren't still trade-offs in the spectrum there. You know, like how many businesses could we shut down? If we decided that all CO2 emissions needed to end immediately, immediately, right? We shut down every car on the road and killed every cow so that everyone could have one last steak, right? If that's what we decided because the world was in such an imminent crisis, then we have a really extreme case. But there are much smaller cases along that line, forcing you to buy a car that has XYZ miles per gallon, right? So now your old car is junk and we're going to, and you need to go buy a new car. But the government, because it wants to change this environmental policy, is going to give you an extra $2,000 toward your new car. How about that? All the taxpayers are going to pay for it. You get a new car and we get our economic control. And that's how these policies work. And I'm not a big fan of policies like that, to tell you the truth, because I don't think that's the best way to incentivize things. Um, that said, I also don't want egregious abusers not caring about the environment at all, not caring about downstream damage, sometimes literally. So there is some measure of regulation that I would agree needs to be placed on companies. Okay, corporations. So I'm going to click agree. So next question. From each according to his ability to each according to his need is a fundamentally good idea. That part, first part was in quotes, and that's a relatively famous quote. From each according to his ability to each according to his need. So what that means, is that's just straight up communism. Okay, it means that it is, it is a utopian version where everybody's perfect life locks into harmony like the most beautiful puzzle that, that ever laid across your dining table after Christmas dinner. Um, but that's not actually how those systems operate. You are expected to perform a function and you're not the one who chooses what that function is. And then you get what you need. Okay. And you're not the one who determines what you need. And that is how communism works. And socialism is on the line to communism. So if that is the life you want, and you think that everything should fall in line to that vision, that's all you. You're a communist. I don't trust you at all, but I'm not going to be mean to you. And I'm not going to try to silence you. Because I think your ideas are extraordinarily bad and no one's going to go for them. Um, except really, really stupid people. Or people who are just broken by life. They think anything must be better than the failure I find in my brain every day. It's pathetic. Um, so this is a fundamentally good idea. No, hell no. Strongly, strongly disagree. I couldn't feel more confident in any answer I've, I've given so far. So the freer the market, the freer the people. Now, if you are a pure free market capitalist, you say, obviously, this is true. Capitalism is a system of trading one thing for another, which naturally emerges. Like capitalism isn't a control on human behavior. It is a system that builds up around human behavior. 
Okay. And so the opposite end of that is, as we were just discussing communism, where there are no free markets, the government controls the means of supply and the means of delivery and tells you what you get. Uh, so if that is freedom, if that is freedom, then by all means, maybe the communist utopia exists. And if that's the sort of freedom you want, that's your decision. I don't decide that at all. Um, but that doesn't mean that markets can't be too free because without other constructs around them, corporations could become monopolies. They could abuse the environment. They could do all sorts of things that would cause trouble. But even that said, I think as a general rule, the freer the market, the freer the people. And I think that that's represented quite a lot around the world right now. If you look at markets versus people, um, I would be open to a counter argument about China for sure. But um, yeah, so I'm going to say strongly agree here. Okay, next question. It's a sad reflection on our society that something as basic as drinking water is now a bottled branded consumer product. Okay, so obviously on the one end, you think everybody should have open access to water. Uh, I agree that everyone should have open access to safe water. And how that is delivered to them is something I'm not particularly concerned with. And I think that if people can detect a taste in Fiji over Dasani, and that's something that they care to spend money on, I think that that is fine. I think people should be able to spend money on whatever they like, as long as it's not deeply immoral. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if there's too much else to talk about on this. I mean, I guess you can place access to water higher than uh, the bottled water thing. But I don't think that the bottled water thing is limiting people's access to water, generally speaking. And if you're going to say something like, well, what about Flint, Michigan? I would agree. Guess who runs Flint? Michigan it's Democrats for the last 45 years Michigan's governors have switched back and forth it is currently a Democrat but it was a Republican right before that so bottled water is not the same as you being sad about Flint Okay, so it's a sad reflection on our society that something basic as drinking water is now a bottled branded consumer product. Strongly disagree. Me. You do whatever you want. Land shouldn't be a commodity to be bought and sold. So if you are on one end, you think that all land is the earth and every human has the same right to the earth as every other human. Therefore, every human has the right to all land. Therefore, land should not be a commodity. Therefore, everything is perfect in utopia. But instead, we live in the real world where land is bought and sold. And that's how you establish things like safety and society and the things you need and trade. And there's not really any other way to do it unless the government owns everything because people don't organize themselves like that. So I will strongly disagree with that communism. 
It is regrettable that many personal fortunes are made by people who simply manipulate money and contribute nothing to their society. That is a very hot button sort of topic. It's one of those things that people will quickly react to. Uh, the idea that there are this great many personal fortunes made by people who simply manipulate money and contribute nothing to their society is wrong. Um, I'm not an extremist about this and I'm not like an extreme free marketer about it, but this is not as simple as it sounds. Okay. The financial transactions that happen on wall street affect a great deal of things around the entire world. And part of what that does is stimulate business and investment. And those things are actually really, really important. So even the people who are manipulating the system, right? And I'm not even talking about just manipulating money. They set it in a certain way, but all that means is moving money around and people who manipulate the system also cause corrections in the system and the system itself allows us the information to set prices about things in the world and to be able to predict other things about how our lives will progress. So this isn't just like a hard and fast case um, for me at least. And so I do not believe that it is regrettable, but I'm not going to go to strongly disagree. So I'm just going to hit disagree. So protectionism is sometimes necessary in trade and free trade is part of what you kind of are forced to believe if you believe in free markets. Um, but what they mean is obviously free global trade, uh, you know, one country with another and trade without restrictions is a position that a lot of libertarians hold. And it's a popular um, kind of pet position, like the one that's really, really the most important thing. People are, are very invested in it philosophically. Um, they hate Trump's tariffs. You can think whatever you want about the tariffs. I don't focus much on the tariffs. I don't spend much time reading on the tariffs because there are two sides of the argument that are both convincing to me in different ways about a subject I don't understand well enough to form a strong opinion. So I think that there are probably circumstances of abuse and manipulation where protectionism would probably make sense. So that's basically where I'm at at that. So I would say agree, but it's not strongly agree. Like I think that the trade around the world should be heavily regulated. I don't think that the only social responsibility of a company should be to deliver a profit for its shareholders. So a lot of people would on one side would say, well, no, the company has social responsibilities to the community, um, to the environment, whatever. Totally get it. I'm on board. On the other side, they would say that the fiduciary duty of a corporation that has investors is to serve those investors because those investors own the corporation. And so what you do is focus on corporate profits because that is what the investors invest for. All right. And so I don't like the extreme positions in either place on this. And I will say disagree because I actually do find um, the social responsibility to be greater than just to 
shareholders. But I don't think that that means corporations have a social responsibility to promote causes. All right. And that's different. I do not like when corporations try to get in the mix of social causes. I think it's actually disgusting. Okay. So the next question, the rich are too highly taxed. Uh, a lot of people would be like, fuck that tax them more. Um, I think I've been one of those people at some point, you know, and everybody always is like, well, they used to pay 90% of taxes. And it's like, yeah, but really? And of course, like anything you don't really understand, the answer is no, right? Or virtually no. That only applied to people who are making over $200,000, which in today's dollars is $2 million. And a lot of that ended up getting written off or avoided. And then there was a very low tax on investment income. So it's a different scenario. And back then, the top 1% of earners paid a 42% tax rate. Today, they pay 36.4. So those kind of old rates are just mostly mythical, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that the rich don't pay too much or too little. There is an argument to be made on the other side that says that people who can go achieve what they want and play by the rules and work really hard and have the goal of acquiring wealth that they should be able to do that and that they shouldn't be punished for doing so by being taxed at a rate higher than someone who doesn't want to do that. Okay. That is not a wholly irrational argument. You can just dismiss out of hand. At least it isn't to me. Um, but I do not agree right now that the rich are too highly taxed. I don't strongly disagree though. So I'm just going to hit disagree. Uh, those with the ability to pay should have access to higher standards of medical care. So, if you strongly disagree with this, then you mean everybody, no matter what, should have the same level of medical care. And that means from the poorest person to the richest person, everyone should be exactly the same in, in the medical care that they receive. And I, just like the last question, I don't think that's true. I think that people should be allowed to pay for more medical services or better medical services. And I think that that's a totally valid thing to want to work hard to attain. All right. Now that doesn't mean that I don't want everybody to have access to healthcare. You can have it so that everyone has access to healthcare and then have people who are able to purchase more or higher quality healthcare or go to the doctor more times if you're a hypochondriac. Okay. So on that question, for me, those with the ability to pay should have access to higher standards of medical care. I am going to strongly agree. Governments should penalize businesses that mislead the public. Um, yeah, I guess the only thing that even gives me hesitation is the idea that the public has some responsibility for informing itself. And I think that that's the, the unnatural kind of end of that spectrum. 
Um, but I think that they, I think generally speaking, it's an agree on this for me that government should be able to penalize businesses that mislead the public, especially if it's uh, drastic. I could be talked into strongly agree. I don't really hold a, a strong viewpoint one way or the other, but um, I wouldn't want to see that sort of thing uh, abused. And the way it gets abused is if governments decide that something that isn't misleading the public actually is and that that business can be punished on those grounds when it's, you know, a political hit or the government wants to seize corporate money or something like that, right? I don't like any of that scenario. So I'm just going to leave it uh, at agree. Last question on this page. A genuine free market requires restrictions on the ability of predator multinationals to create monopolies. Multinationals is a weird way to put this question because that means companies that are operating around the world. And so that has a lot of global implications with trade. Ability to create monopolies. I think that's probably, I mean, monopolies are always bad. I'm trying to think if I can think of an argument against that. I don't think it's worth it for me to try to think of one or try to fit in a counter argument just to make one fit. I think that, uh, yes, I definitely agree. I would even say, well, I don't, I don't feel strong enough about this. So I'm going to say agree. Next page. Abortion, when the woman's life is not threatened, should always be illegal. Okay, so most people have a very strong opinion one way or the other on this already, and I'm not interested in trying to convince you that your opinion is wrong. Um, but I do think that people misunderstand the abortion argument, and I've talked about this in podcasts before. Uh, when a woman's life is threatened, I think that that is a very uh, serious situation and a very good case almost always for abortion. Uh, and so that's why they removed it from the question, obviously. But so this is really like, are you pro-choice or pro-life besides that, right? And I do not agree. I mean, everybody knows the issue of abortion, right? I just think that, I think the abortion issue is distorted because on one side, the argument is the other side wants to kill babies. And on that side, the argument is these people are trying to control women's bodies and neither of those are correct. I don't imagine there is anyone who gets an abortion that wants to kill a baby. I also don't think that most pro-lifers are interested in controlling women's bodies or hate women, any of that, okay? They want to control their sex life. It's none of that. It's not just puritanical bullshit from a sexist past. All right. It just isn't. People believe, genuinely believe that a fetus inside a womb represents a human life that has a human soul and has human value. And that means it has human rights. And one of those rights, the most basic right is the right not to be killed. And that is what people think. Okay. Believe whatever story you like. That's what people think. I read articles from pro-lifers. I've always read articles from pro-choicers. The pro-lifers are not trying to control you. They're trying to make sure that fetuses aren't 
killed. And everybody has different definitions about that. I try to think about it as when the fetus would develop consciousness. And I think that that line is going to get pushed back earlier into the pregnancy as we find more science. And so I have a lot of sympathy for people who are like, well, what if we find that it was two months earlier than we thought and all those babies are gone and we took their, their rights to life away. Okay. And so I have sympathy for that view. I don't find it convincing enough to want to change laws right now, but, uh, I would definitely disagree that it should always be illegal. It certainly should not. In my opinion, I am not going to click strongly agree. Uh, all authority should be questioned. So if you don't disagree, then you are happy to allow whatever institutions you interact with to decide for you what their role is in your life. On the other hand, is total anarchy. Um, but I, that's, you know, if, if you were not respectful of any authority, that would be total anarchy. But that's not what the question's asking. It's asking whether or not all authority should be questioned. And questioning authority is just simply wondering whether or not the source of authority is doing something that conflicts with your values, your principles, and your morals. And that's it. And I think that that question should be asked all the time in any situation. So to that question, question i'm going to say strongly agree an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth uh most people think this is uh balanced retributive justice um the other side of that is the kind of christian turn the other cheek thing and i think most people would probably fall somewhere in the middle um i think that there's a good mix a good way to mix those in principle. I don't think that they're on, uh, like totally in opposition. Um, but I do believe that and an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth has a physical element to the phrasing. You know, I know this is from the Bible and whatnot, but I don't believe in retributive justice just for the sake of retribution. And I think that it becomes really hazy when we're talking about accidents, for instance, um, or negligence. So I'm going to say agree, but not strongly agree. Taxpayers should not be expected to prop up any theaters or museums that cannot survive on a commercial basis. This is a tough one, especially for an artist community, because people want the arts to be funded because they believe in the importance of art. On the other hand, I don't think that anyone could reasonably argue that there is not enough market demand for art and theater and museums. A lot of these places are able to sustain themselves. Now, another counter argument would be, well, what about in places that these places can't sustain themselves? And in those places, it might be helpful to fund theater programs and museums and art programs and whatever else. And I can totally get down with that argument. Um, but I think that that should be like more of a, a localized kind of case by case basis rather than like a 
overarching kind of governing theory. So I am going to say that I disagree. Well, you know what? No, I'm going to say agree because I really don't think it's the taxpayer's responsibility to fund museums that no one wants to go to. Right. If there were like special interest stuff, like if there, if, if, if someone decided that it was super important to put up a museum of ice cream, for instance, <laughs> the museum of ice cream, I haven't thought of that in so long. Um, taxpayers should not fund the museum of ice cream so people can take Instagram pictures. That's a perfect example. Um, so I'm going to click agree and move on. Schools should not make classroom attendance compulsory. Okay. So classroom attendance, compulsory classroom attendance. That means every child at a certain age has to go to school. Uh, and obviously I imagine that includes making exceptions for homeschooling and whatever, but it's not a giant leap to everyone has to go to these schools and that's kind of what's happening right now in Los Angeles because the teachers union is holding the kids hostage on returning to face face to face in person learning. Um, and one of the l demands on their list is to get rid of charter schools and charter schools are slightly different than private schools because they're funded specifically. So, you know, kids can go there for a better school experience and, the idea that they're trying to shut that down really bothers me, especially the fact that they're putting that on their list of demands to come back from COVID, which has nothing to do with it. Uh, should not make class attendance compulsory. I am going to say that I disagree. I think that school should be compulsory for kids, but I do not think that extends anywhere close to being able to tell kids where they should go to school. Okay. And then I would also, I could be convinced that kids as they reach, you know, their mid teens, if they have certain family issues or whatever, and they need to work, then I don't think that they should be in trouble for that. But I think that there should also be a support system underneath them. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, there's always contingency after contingency. Okay, so all people have their rights, but it is better for all of us that different sorts of people should keep to their own kind. Now, I don't think anyone needs help understanding that issue. I am going to say strongly disagree. I think that cultural mixing is great. I think cultural appropriation is great because that's how you have cultural mixing. And cultural mixing means you appreciate aspects of someone else's culture and appreciating aspects of someone else's culture is how people become nicer to each other. So if you don't like cultural appropriation and you get mad about it on the internet, you should consider what your priorities are. Um, yeah, strongly disagree. Good parents sometimes have to spank their children. I am not a parent, so I'm mostly duck out of this one. Um, I think I was probably spanked a few times as a kid. I do not feel even remotely scarred by it. Um, I'm not a child psychologist. This is not my issue, but I'm not going to just say no 
because no, even disagree without strongly agree, even just disagree means no good parents never have to spank their children. So I would say sometimes I'm fine with it depending on the relationship and fuck it. I do not know. Okay. But I agree because it happened to me. I'm not mad. It's natural for children to keep some secrets from their parents. Um, that is, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I can think of counter arguments that like, it would be great if every child and their parents were, uh, simpatico on everything. If they totally understood each other and had no barrier to discourse, I just don't think that that's real. And I think that it's important to, for people to develop their own personalities within their family structures. And some of that involves having thoughts and ideas and things you do that you don't necessarily need to, or want to share with other people. So I'm going to say agree. Possessing marijuana for personal use should not be a criminal offense. At this point, I feel like this is almost a hundred percent issue for everybody. Um, I strongly agree. And I would be really unhappy if someone took mine. The prime function of schooling should be to equip the future generation to find jobs. This one is a little tough because people are like, no, you should be able to go to school to learn so you can be a well-rounded person. But then on the other end of that school, there should be a function that you can perform in society, right? And even if that function is wanting to start a yoga studio or play the guitar or paint or read, there are ways that all of those activities could have a positive function on society and also make money. And so I don't think that those are in opposition. So I don't have any problem with thinking about education as its prime function to prepare people for jobs, AKA the real world. So long as it's not specified to preparing them to do a job, right? I think it's great that people have well-rounded educations, but there should be a goal there for it. So another one that I don't have a strong opinion on one side, so, but I am going to say agree. People with serious inheritable disabilities should not be allowed to reproduce. So on one end, you are basically a eugenicist, right? And by the way, that's, I'm not saying that with judgment. That's what eugenics is. And on the other side, you are not a eugenicist. And this one does not take a lot of thought for me. So I'm going to strongly disagree. People should be allowed to have children if that is what they choose to do. And it is not society's responsibility to choose who gets to and who doesn't. It can be society's responsibility to promote responsibility in who does and doesn't decide to have children. But there should be no restriction on that. And if you want to know a real world example of that, watch any documentary or read any article about China's birth policies. Next question. The most important thing for children to learn is to accept discipline. Uh, I do not think that is the most important thing for children to learn. I do think it is a good thing for children to learn because it's a valuable skill at the right times. 
even if it's just you disciplining yourself, that's accepting the rigidity of your own standards, right? So I'm going to say disagree because it's not the most important thing, but I do agree that it is an important thing. And I mean, I feel like everybody can figure the rest of that one out on their own. Uh, there are no savaged and civilized peoples. There are only different cultures. Um, it's very nice to say you strongly agree with that. But then that would just mean that the word civilized and savage don't mean anything. And none of this has to connect to country or race, okay? Or religion or anything else. It can simply connect to the culture that you are a part of, right? So countries in the Middle East have different cultures. ISIS has a very specific culture. And we can say and mean it that ISIS consists of brutal savages, okay? And so I think that, I guess I want to say though also, that doesn't mean that ISIS members were necessarily savage people. I don't think that they were, you know, scarred at birth, like a lower order of people. I don't think anything like that. But I think that they are now part of a culture that is savage in the way it interacts with the world. So I am going to say there are only different cultures. No, I'm going to say that uh, I disagree. I think there are savage cultures. I don't think there's savage people from birth. I'm not saying that, and I'm not talking about people's lifestyle or how they want to live or how they do live. I don't think that poor people in African deserts are savages. I don't think that at all, okay? <clears throat> Those who are able to work and refuse the opportunity should not expect society's re uh, support. Okay, so if you are able to work and you don't want to work, should the rest of society house you, give you food, give you things you want, give you income? Or should you be expected to work for those things if you simply don't want to work? Not that you can't work, not that you're disabled, not that you're too old. Okay, this is just you refuse the opportunity to work. You could be working, you're not working. So should not expect society's support I say strongly agree. Socialists and communists will say strongly disagree because they want everybody to have everything, even if that person doesn't want to work for it. I find that fundamentally wrong and against human nature. That is a recipe for resentment. Uh, when you are troubled, it's better not to think about it, but to keep busy with more cheerful things. Uh, some people just want to try to focus on happy thoughts and distract themselves and do whatever they want. Other people want to wallow in self-pity. I am in the middle of those things. Uh, I don't think it's better not to think about it, so I'm going to disagree. I think that it's always better to reflect on your problems and gain self-awareness and try to weigh your options. Um, first generation immigrants can never f be fully integrated within their new country. Uh, I think that is fantastically wrong. Um, 
I think that people from other countries can absolutely move here. And even if they are unprepared to live here, can find their way. Um, and I think learning language is a big part of that. I think it matters a lot, especially when you're talking about full integration. That means you are part of society, right? I want everyone who immigrates here to be part of American culture, which is not to say I don't want other cultures, but other, cult other cultures collectively are American culture. And I like that. And I want people to, who come here to be part of that. Uh, I also fully believe that they are capable of that. So I'm going to say strongly disagree. What's good for the most successful corporations is always ultimately good for all of us. Well, since it says the most successful corporations, let's talk about like Walmart and Exxon and Starbucks and Google and Facebook. So what's good for those corporations, that set of corporations, the most successful is always ultimately good for all of us. I think that that's kind of on its face wrong, um, which is not to say that what is good for corporations is always ultimately good for all of us because there's a lot of different kinds of corporations and lots of them are just small businesses, um, family owned businesses. You know, people have their own personal corporations, right? Um, but I think that the good of corporations in general and the good of society probably go hand in hand a lot. So I'm going to say agree, but not strongly agree. Actually, no, I'm going to say disagree because uh, it's the most successful corporations, right? So I don't think that that is ultimately good for all of us. In fact, you know what? I'll even strongly disagree with this. I changed my decision twice now. Um, what's good for the most successful corporations focused only on the most successful corporations is always ultimately good for all of us. That is definitely untrue. Okay. No broadcasting institution, however independent its content should receive public funding. I used to strongly disagree with this because people say, oh, well, we got to have NPR. We got to have public television. No, we don't. You know, like really, no, we don't. There is absolutely no limit to the amount of information a person can now consume. Um, and I don't fully believe in content that is independent if they're trying to receive public funding. And it's not just top down, like the government controlling what kind of content they put out, you know, if, if the government is funding it. It's also if a place wants government funding, what are they doing to get it? How are they proving to the government that they deserve the funding rather than someone else? And a lot of times that stuff comes down to social causes that I don't necessarily agree with. And so I'm going to say that no broadcasting institution should receive public funding. So I strongly agree. Next page. Our civil liberties are being excessively curbed in the name of counterterrorism. I would say that I am uh, fearful of terrorism because of not only the physical loss that is suffered from it, but the way it can tear societies down. I think that the impact of 9-11 was awful in the event itself, but then the things that followed the event uh, 
were also very awful. And that was a societal response. Um, and part of that was the curbing of civil liberties. So our civil liberties are being excessively curbed in the name of counterterrorism. I would say that I agree. A significant advantage of a one-party state is that it avoids all the arguments that delay progress in a democratic political system. Okay, so I was actually just writing about this last night. I think that this is a question that a lot of people in Hollywood, a lot of Democrats, a lot of smart people find convincing because they believe that they have access to the correct decisions, the correct points of view on everything, right? A lot of smart people have that problem. I have had that problem myself in life before, and that's why I used to be a progressive. But I actually think that that is really dangerous. Uh, once you go down the path of dismissing uh, counterpoints, counterarguments, countervailing ideas, you are on a crash course for hell and totalitarianism. Um, I do not want a one-party government in any scenario. It is doing terrible things to California and to Los Angeles and to San Francisco. It's doing terrible things to Illinois and Chicago. It's doing terrible things to New York State and New York City. There's a reason for that. Um, if And by the way, same thing is true with red states too. There are plenty of red states in the South that would be much better off if there was a good counter argument to the policies they are putting forward that are failing their people. Okay. So I am going to say strongly disagree. I think that that is a terrible idea. Although the electronic age makes official surveillance easier, only wrongdoers need to be worried. So this is an issue about how much you care about your privacy. A lot of people are like, well, yeah, well, I'm not going to get caught. I'm just going about my day. And there I am on camera and, you know, it's fine. Like, I don't care who knows, like, what websites I visit. Like, if someone finds out I watch porn, no big deal. But what about if someone gets your emails? What if someone can get your phone tracking data from Facebook? I don't like any of that stuff. I think that the interconnectedness is good on some levels and bad, very bad on other levels. And this is one of those levels. I do not want to be surveilled. I want to be able to do and think and say what I please and go where I please and do what I please. I do not want to be interfered with and I do not want uh, my entire life on record for someone else to use. Um, so only wrongdoers need to be worried. I strongly disagree. The death penalty should be an option for the most serious crimes. Uh, I think a lot of people have ideas about the death penalty. Obviously, it is absolutely horrible when someone is on death row and the DNA, for instance, or some other piece of evidence does not support their conviction, much less, much less their killing. That is a terrible crime against humanity. Um, that doesn't mean I don't think that I could never support the death penalty. You know, I don't. There, there are crimes so heinous that the person has, there, you know, and people who are actually psychopaths or sociopaths, they don't even have the capacity to come to regret what they did or feel remorse 
and certainly no chance to be a productive member of society. And so I don't see a need for a system that prevents their killing if the death penalty does work at all as a deterrent. Um, so I'm going to say agree, but I could be swayed. I, I honestly could probably be argued into any of these positions for different reasons. In a civilized society, one must always have people above to be obeyed and people below to be commanded. Um, this indicates a very stratified society where there are clear delineations between who, it, who does and who does not have power in given situations. I think that is unnatural and immoral and totalitarian, and I don't like any bit of that, and I am going to strongly disagree. Next question. Abstract art that doesn't represent anything shouldn't be considered art at all. Um, I, God, that's a tough question. I think about what should be considered art a lot. Um, I appreciate abstract art to a degree. Abstract art that doesn't represent anything at all. Man, I guess if it's fucking mind-blowing visually or creatively in some way, I suppose that I would consider that art. I also think that people make abstract art because they're not talented enough to make non-abstract art. And, you know, if you're working only in, in abstraction, then it's kind of easier depending on which method of abstraction you use. Um, I disagree generally, though. There's so many arguments on this. It's not worth going into. I think people can make up their own minds on that one. Uh, in criminal justice, punishment should be more important than rehabilitation. Okay. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of degrees on that one. I would never be full punishment without rehabilitation. I would never be full habilitation, <laughs> habilitation, full rehabilitation without punishment. Unless man, unless I really, really was convinced it was going to work. But the word punishment bothers me. Like imprisonment is different. You know, if someone has to be taken out of society because they are a danger to society, then I totally support imprisonment in that circumstance. Um, and if someone has done really heinous shit, I would hope they would be imprisoned. Uh, punishment more important than rehabilitation. I'm going to say yes, I agree. Not strongly agree because I can see some, some gray in there. Uh, it is a waste of time to try to rehabilitate some criminals. Uh, the way I understand the human brain, I think that some criminals are beyond rehabilitation. This says try. So I could agree that it might be worth a try to find out whether or not that's true. I don't think it's productive or useful to think that everyone can be rehabilitated. So is it a waste of time to try to rehabilitate some criminals? Is it a waste of time? Well, yes. If there are some criminals that can't be re rehabilitated, making a system where you always have to try would be a waste of time. It wouldn't necessarily be immoral. I'm not saying that, but it would be a waste of time. So I agree. 
The business person and the manufacturer are more important than the writer and the artist. Now, again, in an art community, people are going to be like, no way. And uh, there is a level which, to which I 100% agree with you. All right. If we didn't have writers and artists being able to show us something about the real world in a way that we can connect to, but not entirely know, like that's what writing and art is important for, you know? So that is one of the most crucial things, the ability to spread ideas, right? These things are incredibly important. That said, we can't be a society with all writers and artists, right? And we can't be a society where people just think I'm going to be a writer or artist, even if they have no ability to be a writer or artist and then be compensated for it. Right. And we don't have all of the things that we need without businesses and manufacturers. So that's a tough one. No, I'm going to say I disagree because I think that on the whole, they're equally important. Mothers may have careers, but their first duty is to be homemakers. Um, this seems like one of those questions that people are mostly going to agree with unless they're from really traditional conservative religious backgrounds, I would imagine. Um, mothers may have careers, but their first duty is to be homemakers. So I think the operative part is whether or not the first duty is to be a homemaker. Now, if you don't have kids and someone tells you your first duty is to be a homemaker. That's some anachronistic bullshit, right? Um, if you do have kids and you as a couple decide that the mother's role is first and foremost that of homemaker and taking care of the children and the father goes out to work to support the family, that's totally an okay arrangement for people to have. I would not project my morality onto that. I did have a stay at home mom, which is probably the biggest privilege that I ever had. The fact that my dad would go to work and work really hard. And that my mom was home with us to guide our activities, to teach us to read early in life. Like that stuff was really important to me. And I know that. Um, so first duty is to be homemakers. I'm going to say disagree just on the basis of, I think that people have to determine that for themselves. Um, multinational companies are unethically exploiting the plant genetic resources of developing countries. I think that that is absolutely true that they are exploiting the plant genetic resources of developing countries. The question is whether or not I think that's unethical and I think that I would want to make that judgment on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, I'm sure that it happens, so I'm going to say agree. I don't want to say strongly agree because I'm not going to say that all of that is unethical. There are developing nations that have resources that developed nations need, and as long as that developing nation is being compensated for those resources and the people aren't treated unfairly, then I think that that arrangement is okay. Making peace with the establishment is an important aspect of maturity. Uh, you can be one of those people that's like, I'm my own person. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't really like that. 
I like some of that, right? I think that we should make peace with the society around us so that we can operate within it to our own betterment and to our own happiness. I do not think that we have to make peace with all of the establishment. In fact, I think it's important to uh, argue or struggle or fight or whatever word you want to use against the establishment when necessary. But like I said, on the whole, I'm going to say agree. I do think that that is an important aspect of maturity. Astrology accurately explains many things. This is the next page. Questions on religion. Astrology accurately explains many things. I do not believe this to be true. I know that some people agree with this very strongly. I am not one of those people. Uh, my mom is very into uh, astrology and tarot as ways to understand the world more as a tool than as a belief system. Um, I'm more of a materialist than my mom is, and I do not think that astrology accurately represents the world. Um, I don't think that there is magic behind the placement of the stars. And so I am going to say disagree. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go so far as to say strongly disagree because I think that there are aspects to the world that people can use astrology usefully as a tool to understand. That doesn't mean I believe in astrology. I don't. You cannot be moral without being religious. Well, I am not religious. I'm an atheist. All atheism is, is the declaration that you have no proof of the existence of God and no reason to believe in the existence of God. That is where I stand. I'm not saying that there absolutely is no God, although I don't believe there is. I'm simply saying that I do not have evidence or reason to believe that there is one. And that's it for me. So cannot be religious or cannot be moral without being religious. I strongly, 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 strongly disagree with that. There are moral systems that don't require religion at all. Uh, charity is better than social security as a means of helping the genuinely disadvantaged. Uh, the left will say no. The right will say yes, and they will not question it. Um, it is absolutely, I am pretty far to the right on this one. I think it is absolutely better if communities are helping the indigent. And I like when that's done on a local level and in specific cases. I don't like when a system like Social Security is installed across the country. Okay, because a lot of the assumptions that were made when Social Security started are no longer valid and it is causing the system to self-destruct. And that could have been seen with proper foresight and should have been seen with proper foresight. Um, and one of the simplest ways to understand is because people live a lot longer now and that curve always goes up or it has for a long time. Mostly. Um, so I am going to say that I strongly agree with that. P some people are naturally unlucky. Um, 
again, I'm more of a materialist. So I say that I disagree with that. I do not believe someone is born unlucky at all. But I do know people who are extraordinarily unlucky. And part of that is that they do not pay attention to the details of their life. And so their personal shortcomings end up putting them in situations that don't work out for them, which they ascribe to bad luck. And I think that that is an unproductive way to interact with your world. So I'm going to say strongly disagree. And I think this is the last question. It is important that my child's school instills religious values. I think uh, that is just basically an are you religious question and how much you think that your religion should intersect with children's education. And I think that you can instill whatever religious values you like in your child and then that child will grow up and be free to uh, unburden themselves of those if they want. But I do not think that it, that it is at all a uh, school's responsibility to instill religious values. So I strongly disagree there. Okay, so next page. Oh, damn it. There is one more page. This is about sexual behavior. Woohoo. Sex outside marriage is usually immoral. All right. Traditional religious people obviously believe that sex is for marriage and for procreation. Um, on the other end is uh, totally unchecked casual sex. Um, and I have had casual sex in my life. So I'm not going to say that that is immoral. Um, I think certain casual sexual situations can be immoral. Although I also believe that certain sexual situations within relationships and within marriages can be immoral. So not necessarily uh, on either end of this. Usually immoral. I'm going to disagree, strongly disagree. I don't think it's immoral usually by any means. The same sex, a same sex couple in a stable, loving relationship should not be excluded from the possibility of child adoption. Um, so on one end of this, you don't believe that uh, same sex couples can properly raise children. And on the other end, you don't believe there should be any restriction to adoption for same sex couples. Um, this gets difficult when you start introducing religious organizations like the Catholic church who does a lot of adoption stuff and they want to try to find, you know, traditional families because that's what their beliefs tell them to do. Um, I don't think that I like that, especially not across society. I think that same sex couples definitely should be able to adopt, especially when they're in stable, loving relationships. I think that there are probably a lot of kids out there who need role models with stable, loving relationships. And I don't think that gay or lesbian couples are in any way incapable of providing that. So I'm going to say they should not be excluded. Okay. So strongly agree. Pornography depicting consenting adults should be legal for the adult population. Okay, so on one side, very kind of authoritarian lockdown on people's 
free expression, even if that expression is deemed to be distasteful. On the other side, people can film basically whatever they want and that it should be distributed. However, the supply should never stop like we have now. Um, I think that there is probably a healthier middle ground there. Uh, I think porn does distort people's ideas of sexuality. Um, but I also think that people are probably happier if they don't go for months without jerking off or having sex. So, uh, I'm going to say pornography depicting, it should be legal for the adult population. I do agree, but I don't need to go so far as saying I strongly agree. What goes on in a private bedroom between consenting adults is no business of the state. Uh, yeah, I don't think that that one requires a lot of thought. Maybe I'm missing something and I'll think of it later, but I strongly agree that the state should have no interference into people's sexual activities between when it's consenting adults and in the privacy of your own bedroom. No one can naturally feel homosexual. Uh, this is just basically asking whether or not you think being gay is a choice. I do not think that it is. Although I do think that it probably could be, maybe. Um, but no one can feel naturally homosexual. I strongly disagree with that. These days, openness about sex has gone too far. Um, I think that our sexual culture has become crass. I don't know that I would say that that is a factor of openness. I, I, I think that that's a factor of perversion of relationships and what healthy relationships look like. And I'm not the best source for this because <laughs> until a few months ago, I did not really have too many of those. Um, these days, openness about sex has gone too far. I'm going to, I'm going to strongly dis, uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree. Cause I could probably think of ways that I would be like, Oh yeah, maybe that's too far. Okay. So dun, 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 finale. All right, my chart. Oh, look at that. My chart shifted since I took it a few weeks ago. The way I just laid this chart out right now has me just slightly left of center, just slightly, and just slightly authoritarian. This is so weird. I took this a couple of weeks ago. Maybe I didn't think about it all well enough um, because the last time I was like, maybe 40% or 30% down on the libertarian right. And now I am like almost hitting the dead center, but just slightly left and slightly more authoritarian. And the, uh, the slightly left part doesn't make me think anything because I always assumed I was there in the first place. Um, although if you told me I was center right, I would believe it too. Um, but the authoritarian part is very confusing. I don't know. I, I must have answered one question like totally opposite in one of those ones where I was like, I could go any way on this. Um, I would assume it's just a matter of uh, circumstance that I clicked one last week and the opposite one this week. Anyway, doesn't matter. Guys, I hope that was helpful. Um, the way to use this to interact with the world, I think, is to check it against what you think you believe. Right. Like if you think that Bernie Sanders is the greatest thing ever and you find yourself somewhere around the center or the right on the economic scale. You really have to 
go back and think about um, why it is that you liked Bernie Sanders and then understand that it's something different than his socialism. All right. Because he is far, far left on that scale. If you find yourself toward the center or toward the right, you are going to fundamentally disagree with him in really, really important ways and disagree with AOC and disagree with the Women's March and Black Lives Matter and the Green New Deal and the teachers union. And that stuff really matters a lot because I've read their agendas. They are all very socialist. I'm not saying that to red bait. I'm not saying it to scare anybody. I'm saying it because it's true. Okay, the end of their policies that they lay out is socialism. Okay, Um, and again, like people think Trump is way on the right. I got to find this thing because I actually took this test and in my head I was trying to think what Trump thinks. And so what I came up with trying to be as objective about Trump as possible is that he is about, uh, I'd say. 25, 30% to the right. And then just slightly below the, uh, the authoritarian libertarian, uh, divide. So if you find yourself close to that, you might, uh, wonder if maybe Trump aligns with you more than you think he does. Um, I have not tried that for Biden because the truth is I have no idea anymore what Joe Biden believes. And I'm to be perfectly honest, I really am genuinely not sure if he believes anything. I mean, he's gone in the 50 years of his public service almost from being a guy who compliments George Wallace and works with Robert Byrd. And like, these are genuine racists. Joe Biden wrote the, the crime bill in the mid nineties that people blame for, you know, terrorizing black communities and imprisoning people. Right. He doesn't believe in any of those things. Now the black lives matter has agenda has basically eliminating prisons. These activists do want to abolish prisons and abolish police. And in so much as Joe Biden goes along with that or caters to that point of view, I want nothing to do with him. All right. Not only is it totally against what I believe, it's totally against what he believed his entire life up till now. And that bothers the hell out of me. All right. So anyway, I hope you guys found this valuable. Um, Please share the podcast with your friends and uh, tell them to follow at I'm your moderator on Instagram and Twitter. Um, This stuff helps a lot. If you guys can rate the podcast, if you can share the podcast, if you can review the podcast on iTunes, all that. So awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Bye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm your moderator. If you have feedback, you can email Hey moderator at I'm your moderator.com or use the hashtag Hey moderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable.
operator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!